Chapter Twelve of Craddock Knoll: A Tale of the New Forest, Volume One, by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Twelve. All the leaves of the New Forest, save those of the holly and mistletoe, some evergreen spines, and the blinder sort that know not a wink from a nod all the leaves i mean that had sense of their position and when to blush and when to retire and how much was due to the roots that taught them all these leaves were beginning to feel that their time in the world was over the trees had begun to stand tier upon tier in an amphitheatrical fashion and to sympathize more with the sunset while the sun every evening was kissing his hands and pretending to think them younger some outspoken trees leaned forward well in front of the forest galleries with amber sleeves and loops of gold and braids of mellow abandonment like liberal brazilian ladies bowing from the balconies others drew away behind them with their mantles folded leaning back into unprobed depths of semi-transparent darkness as the forest of the sky amasses when the moon is rising some had cast off their children in parachutes swirling as the lindenberries do throughout september some were holding their treasures grimly and would even when they were naked now the flush of the grand autumnal tide had not risen yet to its glory but was freaking and glancing and morrising around the bays and the juts of the foliage or it ruffled among the ferny naps and along the winding alleys the sycamores truly were reddening fast and the chestnut palms growing bronzy the limes were yellowing here and there and the sere leaves of the woodbine fluttered the cob of clear red berries but the great beechen hats which towered and darkened atop of the moorland hollows and across the track of the woodman these and the oaks along the rise where the turtle dove was cooing had only shown their sense of the age by an undertint of olive it was now the fifth day of october a day to be remembered long by all the folk of nowelhurst mr garnet stood at the end of his garden where a narrow pinewood gate opened to one of the forest rides of course he was doing something and doing it very forcibly for life was a fire that burned very fast having plenty of work to poke it but the little job which he now had in hand was quite a relaxation there was nothing bull garnet enjoyed so much as cutting down a tree he never cared what time of year it was whether the leaves were on or off whether the sap were up or down as we incorrectly express it the sap of a tree is ever moving like our own life-blood only it feels the change of season more than we who have no roots has a dormouse no circulation when he coils himself up in his elbowed hole is there no evaporation from the frozen waters the two illustrations are wide apart but the principle is the same nature admits no absolute stoppage except as death in her cradle of life and then she sets to and transmutes it why bull garnet so enjoyed the cutting down of a tree none but those who themselves enjoy it may pretend to say of course we will not refer to it 
the reason assigned in the well-known epigram which contains such a wholesale condemnation of this arboricidal age in another century london builders will perhaps discover when there are no trees left that a bit of tuck pointing by the gate and a dab of mud plaster beside it do not content the heart of man like the leaves and the drooping shadowy rustle which is the type of himself bull garnet stood there in the october morning with the gate wide open flung back by his strong hand upon its hinges as if it had no right to them the round bolt dropped from the quivering force dropped through the chase of the loop and bedded deep in the soft wet ground with much satisfaction the gate brought up and felt itself anchored safely bull garnet gave the bolt a kick which hurled all the rusty screws out then he scarcely stopped to curse the blacksmith he wanted the time for the woodcutters at a glint from the side of his vast round eyes eyes that took in everything and made all the workmen swear and believe that he could see round a corner he described that the axemen were working the tree askew to the strain of the ropes the result must be that the comely young oak just proud of its first big crop of acorns would swerve on the bias of the wind stagger heavily and fall headlong upon the smart new fence there was no time for words in a moment he had kicked the men right and left torn off his coat and caught up an axe and dealt three thundering strokes in the laggard twist of the breech away went the young oak swaying wildly trying once to recover itself then crashing and creaking through the brushwood with a swish from its boughs and leaves and a groan from its snaggy splinters a branch took one of the men in his face and laid him flat in a tussock of grass serve you right you lubber i'm devilish glad cried bull garnet and i hope you won't move for a week the next moment he went up and raised him felt that his limbs were sound and gave him a dram of brandy all right my fine fellow next time you'll know something of the way to fell a tree go home now and i'll send you a bottle of wine but the change of his mood the sudden softening the glisten that broke through the flash of his eyes was not caused this time by the inroad of rapid christian feeling it was the approach of his son that stroked the down of his heart the right way bull garnet loved nothing else in this world or in the world to come with a hundredth part of the love wherewith he loved his only son lo the word love thrice in a sentence nevertheless let it stand so for is there a word in our noble tongue or in any other language to be compared for power and beauty with that little word love bob came down the path of the kitchen garden at his utmost speed he was like his father in one or two things and most unlike in others his nature was softer and better by far though not so grand and striking bull garnet in the young adam again ere ever the devil came all this the father felt but knew not it never occurred to him to inquire why he adored his son the boy leaped the new x fence very cleverly through the fork of the fingers and stood before his father in a flame of indignation mr garnet with that queer expression 
which the face of a middle-aged man wears when he recalls his boyhood ere yet he begins to admire it was looking at his own young life with a contemplative terror he was saying to himself what cheek this boy has got and he was feeling all the while that he loved him the more for having it hurray bob my boy you're come just in time mr garnet tried very hard to look as if he expected approval well enough all the time he knew that he had no chance of getting it for bob loved nature in any form especially as expressed in the noble eloquence of a tree and now he saw why he had been sent to the village on a trifling errand that morning just in time for what sir bob's indignation waxed yet more that his father should dare to chaff him just in time to tell us about these wonderful red-combed fungi what do you call them some long name as wonderful as themselves bob kicked them aside contemptuously he could have told a long story about them and things which men of thrice his age who have neglected their mother would be glad to listen to nature desiring not revenge has it in the credulous itch of the sons who have turned their backs on her oh father said bob with tears in his eyes father you can't have known that three purple emperors came to this oak and sat upon the top of it every morning for nearly a week in the middle of july and it was the most handsomest thirty-year oak till you came right to brockenhurst bridge most handsomest bob cried mr garnet glad to lay hold of anything come along with me my son i must see to your education near them stood a young spruce fir not more than five feet high it had thrown up a straight and tapering spire scaled with tender green below were tassels tufts and pointlets all in triple order pluming over one another in a pile of beauty the tips of all were touched with softer and more glaucous tone but all this gentle tint and form was only as a framework now a loom to bear the web of heaven for there had been a white mist that morning autumn's breath made visible and the tree with its net of spiders webs had caught the lucid moisture now as the early sunlight opened through the layered vapors that little spruce came boldly forth a dark bay of the forest and met all the spears of the orient looped and traced with threads of gauze the lacework of a fairy's thought scarcely daring to breathe upon its veil of tremulous chastity it kept the wings of light on the hover afraid to weigh down the whiteness a maiden with the love dream nestling under the bridal faldetta a child of genius breathing softly at his own fair visions even an infant's angel whispering to the weeping mother what image of humanity can be so bright and exquisite as a common tree's apparel father can you make that mr garnet checked his rapid stride and for once he admired a tree no my son only god can do such glorious work as that but it don't take god to undo it smash bob dashed his fist through the whole of it and all the draped embroidery all the pearly filigree all the festoons of silver were but as a dream when a yawning man stretches his scraggy arms forth the little tree looked woebegone stale and draggled with drunken tears 
why bob i am ashamed of you and so am i of you father before the bold speech was well out of his mouth bob took heartily to his heels and for once in his life mr garnet could not make up his mind what to do after all he was not so very angry for he thought that his son had been rather clever in his mode of enforcing the moral and a man who loves ability and loves his boy still more regards with a liberal shrewdness the proof of the one in the other alas it is hard to put mr garnet in a clear bold stereoscope without breach of the third commandment somehow or other as fashion goes and happily it is on the go always a man and threefold thrice a woman may at this especial period in the persons of his or her characters break the sixth commandment lightly and the seventh with great applause indeed no tale is much approved without les majestés of them both then for what subterranean reason or by what diabolical instrumentality that language is strictly parliamentary because it is words and water is a writer now debarred from reporting what his people said unless they all talked tracts and milk or rubrics and pommel saddles in a word for sometimes any fellow must come to the point why do our judicious and highly respected socii score out all our d's is it not true that our generation swears almost as hard as any and yet it will not allow a writer to hint the truth in the matter of course we should do so sparingly and with due reluctance but unless all tales are written for women and are to be accepted it is a weak attempt at imposture on our sons and grandsons to suppress entirely in our pictures any presence not indecent however unbecoming mr garnet was a christian of the most advanced intelligence so far as our ideas at the present time extend he felt the beauty and perfection of the type which is set before us he never sneered as some of us do at things which were too large for him neither did he clip them to the shape of his own esophagus only in practice like the rest of us he was sadly centrifugal now with his nostrils widely open and great eyes on the ground he was pacing rapidly up and down his sheltered kitchen garden every square was in perfect order every tree in its proper compass all the edging curt and keen the ground was cropped with that trim luxuriance which we never see except under first-rate management all the coal-watts for the winter all the well-earthed celery all the buttoning brussels sprouts salsify just fit to dig turnips lifting whitely forth as some ladies love to show themselves modest savoys just hearting in and saying no to the dew beads prickly spinach daily widening the clipped arrowhead they all had room to eat and drink and no man grudged his neighbour yet puck himself could not have skipped through with dry feet during a hoar-frost as for weeds bull garnet well i must not say what he would have done suddenly a small spare man turned the corner upon him where a hedge of hornbeam trimmed and dressed as if with a pocket comb broke the south-western violence most men would have shown their hat above the narrow spine but rufus hutton was very short and seldom carried a chimney-pot sir what can i do for you 
said mr garnet much surprised but never taken aback excuse me sir but i called at your house and came this way to find you you know me well by name i believe as i have the pleasure of knowing you rufus hutton ahem sir delightful occupation i too am a gardener dumelow seedling i flatter myself know them well by the eye sir but what a difference the soil makes ah yes let them hang till the frost comes what a plague we have had with earwigs get to the seat of the fruit now just let me show you ah you beggars there you are never take them by the head sir or they'd nip my fingers take them under the abdomen and they haven't room to twist upon you there now what can he do not even thank you sir for killing him now what can i do for you mr garnet i will come to the point a man learns that in india too hot sir for much talking bless my heart i have known the thermometer at ten o'clock p m sir not in the barracks mind me nor in a stifling nuller excuse me i have read all of that i have an engagement dr hutton at eight minutes past eleven bless my heart and i have an appointment at eleven nine and five seconds how singular a coincidence bull garnet looked down at the little doctor and thought him too small to be angry with moreover he was a practical man and scarcely knew what chaff meant so he kept his temper wonderfully while rufus looked up at him gravely with his little eyes shining like glow-worms between the brown stripes of his countenance i have heard of you dr hutton as a very skilful gardener perhaps you would like to look round my garden while i go and dispatch my business if so i will be with you again in exactly thirty-five minutes stop 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 you'll be sorry all your life if you don't hear my news so rufus hutton thought but mr garnet was sorry through all the rest of his life that he ever stopped to hear it End of chapter twelve